Thank you so much, Pastor Jeff, for leading us in our service, and thank you, Jesse, and our singers and our musicians. Good morning, everybody. Welcome here to service. We have to say a big good morning to all those who are tuning in at Bishan. So for most of this service, you'll find Pastor Chris looking straight at the camera, not because you're not good looking here at Adam, but I'll try to turn to left and right and top and bottom. It's now June, and during June and December, here in the RPC, we are taking a break from Children's Church so that the children, uh, Children's Church teachers, will have time to rest because it's one of the most tiring ministries for 52 weeks. And it reminds us of two things. Firstly, that the first responsibility to raise children belongs to who? To the parents, not to our Sunday school or Children's Church. Secondly, the Children's Church, right, is are actually your partners in raising your children spiritually, mentally, emotionally, relationally, in every way. But we are partners, we are not the parents to them. And so it's very important that we understand this. And so for the month of June and the month of December, we'll preach sermons as normal. We will not uh, be child-focused, we'll always be God, uh, we'll always be God-centered and then child-focused. So keep coming, everybody. All those who are here, can you give yourself a big hand? Because the rest who are not here, they are in Malaysia and spending money on laksa and charcoal at one-third the price. So the series for this month is everything that we learn, we try to put it into practice. So we call it Faith in Action. And that's a picture of faith. You are just helping each other climb further and further in your walk with God. And so, we're going to speak about learning fresh from Deuteronomy, the lessons that we just learned, obedience. Obedience yesterday, when they were in the wilderness. Obedience today, when they were about to enter the promised land. And obedience forever, if they live as God's people in the promised land. And so, the question we need to ask is, how on earth do we obey God? Before we get there, let's ask the question. Children who are here, how many of you keep pets in your family? How many of you keep pets? All who keep pets, hands up. What kind of pets do you have? Some got rabbits, some got hamsters, some got fishes. How many of you keep cats? How many of you keep dogs? Okay, Uncle, Uncle Chris's hand, keep dogs. So, I want to ask you this question, right? Depending on your age, how many words do you know as I speak to you now? How many words do you guess? Do you know 30 words? Do you know 50 words? Do you know 100 words? We call that vocabulary. So what's the size of your vocabulary? I want to ask you, how many words do you think a dog is capable of knowing? How many words is a dog capable of knowing? And you think maybe 10, 20 words? Stay, sit, come, go, free, right? And so here is Chaser the Border Collie. And Chaser the Border Collie knows... You want to guess how many words he knows? 100. Is that right? Somebody said 100. Yep. A few more guesses. How many words do you think this Border Collie, which is a very intelligent dog, they think is the most intelligent dog knows? 200 words, 300 words. Chaser the Border Collie has a vocabulary of 1,022 words. He was trained by his master, and then the master made this claim. He put some videos out there. And then researchers from a university came along and trained him further and tested him further, and over three years, increased his vocabulary. And how did they do that? Every time they did a test, they would put 20 toys in another room. And then they mentioned the word, it will go from the room where Chaser is to the other room to pick up that toy. And every time they send it back, he would pass the test with high distinctions. 18 out of 20 he would get most of the time. So this is the picture of Chaser. Right? The greatest vocabulary among the animal world, tested by psychologists from Watford College, South Carolina, he completed 838 tests over three years, never less than 18 out of 20 every time, right? 
So if he did the PSLE, he would pass. We call this, <laughs> this is constructive obedience at its very best, don't you think so? And so because Pastor Chris is a dog lover, I can only speak about dogs, right? Constructive obedience in a pet, and I shared this a, a few weeks ago at Bishan, okay? Is the pet, the dog, the eye is always on you. And the thinking of the pet, in this case the dog, is that they feel safest with you because when they are with you, you say yes, you say good, you reward them. And basically the dog is saying to you, I trust you, my owner is out for my good. When I'm with my owner, I have the best fun, I'm safest and happiest. I'm safest and happiest whenever I'm with my master. Okay? What are the worst kind of behaviours in dogs? When their eye is never on you, and they don't feel safe with you, and basically the animal is saying, the dog is saying, I don't trust you, you are not out for my good, and I'm better off looking for my own happiness, my own pleasures, my own self without you. And so there is constructive obedience, there is also destructive obedience. Sometimes destructive obedience, have you ever seen people walk the dog like that? You have to ask yourself, are you walking the dog or the dog walking you? Which one is which? The dog is walking you. Lah. And many of you sit down here, yeah, that's my dog, that's my dog. Okay? And so sometimes destructive obedience is not just irritating or frustrating or funny, but sometimes destructive obedience can be slightly dangerous, deadly, what we call fatal. And so there are theme parks around the world and there are sea worlds in which they get dolphins and whales in there and keep them in captivity and train them mainly motivated by food. So Tilikum, the orca, is perhaps the most famous or infamous. He was the largest orca in captivity. Very sadly, in 2010, he killed his trainer, Don Branchio, at SeaWorld in Orlando. How? He pulled on her ponytail and pulled her down, and she couldn't escape, even though she was a very good swimmer and could hold her breath, and then she died in there. He was also involved in two other fatalities. And so we call that destructive obedience. Yes, he's kept there in an artificial environment and he's kept there and only motivated to obey by food. He doesn't think that the master or the owner exists for its good and is always trying to break free. And so we ask, when God calls us to obedience, what kind of obedience are you going to offer God? Is it Constructive obedience? Is it destructive obedience? Or is God calling you to blind obedience? That means no matter what I say, whether you understand or don't understand, just walk out like walking over a cliff. What kind of obedience does God demand of His people? Is the message that Moses preaching to the second generation of Israelites was trying to get across. And so we need to ask the question, what will it take for God's people, for us, to obey God freely, willingly, not unwillingly, to obey God fully, not just selectively, and to obey God, this is my great delight. Like for Chaser, his great delight is to wake up every morning and say, how can I please my master? How can I please my master? How can I obey my master? That is the kind of thing that we want to think about today. So Deuteronomy chapter 8, can we all read this together? If you can start to read already, everybody can read this. Let's go. The whole commandment. Okay. And so here is what Moses under God says to the second generation of Israelites. The first generation had disobeyed God and all of them died in what we call the desert or the wilderness. And so an outline of this chapter could be this. It's all about warning. 
warning to do two things. Positively, warning to remember God, to remember God's word, to remember God's promises and purposes, to save them. Then warning not to forget. And so we see it here. I got this from a book, right? What we call a commentator, a commentary that we give to our leaders here. And here is just a painting, a picture of Moses, how he was like, we don't really know. But he's standing there speaking on God's behalf to God's people and he's warning them to remember. But notice there's a pattern. The warning is A, right? The desert. Then the desert is in the past. Then he speaks about the promised land. Then he tells them, warning not to forget, when you go to the promised land and life is good there in the promised land, you do not forget and you do not forget by not forgetting what God did to you in the wilderness. And then he gives the final warnings, which we read about when Pastor Jeff led the service just then. And so, the lessons for them is for the next generation, we call it next gen, and all parents have to sit up here. When you pass this God's word to the next gen, if you are living then, today, God tells you today. That means what God commands you should be immediate. Secondly, you, what commands, God commands of you is personal. Now think about it. If your parents are asking you to stop something bad in your life, it should be immediate. Stop fighting with your brother. Your father and mother is not saying, stop fighting tomorrow. Your father and mother is saying, stop beating your brother and sister now, right now. Stop grumbling about life. They are asking you to stop it now and it's addressed to you. And the reason is, this is the way God wants you to live, to stop the ungodly behaviours and to start the godly behaviours. And all this is to fulfil God's promise to bless you. If you listen to His word, you will live His way and you will be living the full life in the promised land. Okay? And so it goes on. And again, can you read together, everybody? And you shall remember... Okay. Have you ever been anywhere for 40 years besides Singapore? Some of you sit, who are here as chosen, I'm not even 10 years old, let alone 40 years. And it's 40 good years is wonderful. They had 40 years, like the sign there, of going round in circles instead of going straight into God's promised land. Why? Did they go round in circles and then died? because they disobeyed God. They didn't trust that God's purpose for them was really good. And so, there's a very precious lesson here. And what's the very precious lesson? It's about what we call restless hearts, right? Wandering hearts. If we've got wandering hearts, these are the wilderness lessons. So the desert or the wilderness was not simply a punishment. God not just punished them, so, all of us who are parents, if you punish your children, but there is no lesson, what is it for? God didn't just punish His people. He tested them to humble their hearts to obedience. He tested them. So, a very precious lesson for them and for us, for all generations, sometimes God makes us go round in circles because of our disobedience, so that in the end, we walk the straight road of obedience. And it's very, very important we learn this lesson. So some of you could be going around in circles, no matter what age you are. You decided as early as now, primary four, sec two, that believing in the Bible, believing in God, believing in this person called Jesus, God's Son, is not true, is not real. I want to warn you, as I warn myself, if you choose to ignore God's word, then you ignore God, then you ignore God's gift of Jesus, 
your life will surely go around in circles. That's a promise. Because Satan will make you go around in circles trying to find your freedom and your fullness and your happiness by yourself. But you will not find it. So, for the next generation, there are two temptations for them to disobey. Yesterday, when they were in the wilderness, they didn't have water, they didn't have food, they didn't have land. And when you have absence of things, you got too little, what do you do? Look at the picture on the left-hand side. You blame God. You point your finger at God. You are angry in your heart towards God. But God wants them in Deuteronomy chapter 8, in fact, the whole book, when you go into the promised land, it will be a land filled with milk and honey. He made that promise as early as Exodus chapter 3, when he spoke to Moses to tell his people, tell Pharaoh to let my people go. And that's the first time you hear that the land will be filled with milk and honey. The problem is, when you go into that land and you become rich in every way, and our modern-day version, you're rich with lots of money, you will tend to forget God. So when there's an absence of things, you become angry, you point the finger at God. When there's an abundance of things, you got too much, like living in Singapore, your temptation and my temptation is, we forget God. Is that true? Right? And so it's important for us to know. How old is Singapore this year? Just to check whether you're learning history in school. So when did Singapore become independent? Sometime in the, in the past. Singapore became independent in 1965. If you ask your grandparents or your parents who were around in Singapore in 1965, what was life like in Singapore? Singapore in the 1960s had very high, what we call, unemployment. Children, you know what that means? That means a lot of your fathers and mothers have no jobs. And if your parents have no work, you will have no food. That was the Singapore of the 1960s. People live in very dirty areas. There were a lot of swam, uh, slums, a lot of squatters. But today, Singapore is one of the richest countries of the world. So we should understand this story of in the past, yesterday, we had too little. But now and in the future, we suffer from too much and we tend to forget God. Right? And so, these are lessons for us. So, the ingredients to obedience is God tells His people, you are to obey me whether there is an absence or abundance, whether you live in poverty or prosperity. You are to obey me freely and fully. And wherever you are, you obey me yesterday, today, and forevermore. You pass me and my word and faith in me to the next generation. So you ask yourself, how do we obey like this? How on earth do we obey like this? And the answer is humility. How do we know? Right? How do we know this? Let's read this together one more time. And he humbled you. Okay, the verse I want you to take note, everybody, is the last part of that verse, that man does not live by bread alone. That's very important. So, just wait, as Pastor Chris explains to you what that means. Then he goes on in this sermon. Your clothing did not wear out on you, and your foot did not swell all these 40 years. Can you read verse 5, everybody? 
So, what was the lesson that God taught His people while they were in the desert or in the wilderness? I call them desert lessons for our humility. So, it's the humility to be completely dependent upon God. It's the humility to be disciplined by God when we choose not to trust Him, love Him, worship Him, obey Him. It's the humility to say, I will not live by my own word, my own wisdom. I will live by the wisdom and the word of God. So, humility. I just want to explain to you, completely dependent. Have you ever been completely dependent upon God? Right? So, everybody, you want to try this breathing exercise? Okay, we try, huh? We're going to try this breathing exercise three times. Every time I say, breathe in, everybody breathes in, and then you hold your breath until I say, breathe out. Okay, ready? Breathe in. Breathe out. Don't worry, we haven't entered into meditation. Second time, breathe in. Breathe out. Breathe in. Breathe out. What do you think happens from the time you breathe in through your nostrils, the air that you breathe in, to the time it enters your lungs, and then the oxygen is passed through all your cells and organs, without which your cells and your organs will be poisoned. Your cells and organs need that oxygen. So Pastor Chris got two sisters living in Calgary in Canada. You know anything about Calgary in Canada? Calgary in Canada, in winter, which is about four to six months of the year, is that cold? The temperature drops to minus 30 or minus 40. You know what it's like? <laughs> the snow is so thick, right? And then if you ever go to the desert, for a holiday, your parents take you to Dubai, take you to Kuwait for a holiday. The temperatures there can hit 45 degrees, 50 degrees out there in a desert. But you know what? The way God created you, whether you live in Calgary like my sisters and breathe in the air at minus 30, or whether you live in the desert and breathe in the air at 50 degrees, the moment the air enters your lungs, between the nostrils and your lungs, is a constant temperature. So that if you live in Canada, in Calgary, your lungs will not freeze from the cold wind. When you live in the desert, your lungs will not be fried or burned. Who do you think created such a wonderful miracle called the constant temperature of your, the oxygen? It's God. Except that every day that you live, do you give thanks to God that you can breathe? So you breathe. Ah, give thanks to God, I can breathe. So, our daughter went to Peihua Primary School and during that time in Peihua, the principal right, had a heart and a policy of helping students who academically, mentally could cope with it, but physically would not, right? Were not able to. So she took in some who were what we call disabled or other able. And so into our daughter's class, Hanmi's class, came this girl in a wheelchair. She was quite severely handicapped. And the instructions or the inspiration given by the principal to the class was, can you try to love and help her as she goes through P1 to P6. And it was a wonderful experience. Instead of this girl who was severely handicapped but mentally very sharp and bright, holding the class back, the class learned compassion, love and compassion and care. And she did very well in PSLE, very well at all levels and went on to university like the rest of her class. When do you have a person like that She's in there. She can't go to the canteen by herself. She can't go to the washroom by herself. You don't need to teach an other-abled person or a disabled person what it means to be completely dependent on others. Not that they want to, but they have to. But you and me, from the air that we breathe to the life that we live every day, 
You and me forget that we, you and I live on borrowed time. God gave you this life. And every breath that you have, not for you to forget Him, but for you to be thankful and grateful as you trust in Him and worship Him. This is the humility to live by God, by His Word, to fulfil His purpose, that everything you say to me is good for me in my worship of you. So, he carries on and says this. Can we read this, everybody, to be engaged? Okay. So the big word there, I wanted you to take note this. Take care. Which means that as you live in this world, you might become more and more careless. You might become more and more reckless. You might become more and more, more and more lazy about reading God's Word and listening to God's Word and living according to His Word by completely trusting in Him. Then you learn to listen more carefully to the world that doesn't listen to God. So he says, be very careful. When you Israelites go into Canaan, there'll be many other gods, man-made gods, who will tell you, if you worship me, your life will be full, your life will be happy, you will be complete. And God wants them through Moses, be very careful, you only listen to the true and the living God. There is no God but God, whose name is Yahweh. And then he goes on. And when your herds and your flocks multiply, and your silver and gold is multiplied, and all that you have is multiplied, can we read verse 14 together? Uh, verse 12 together? So what is the warning of Moses to God's next generation? Be careful, be careful. Don't be lazy, don't be careless. Be careful about listening to God with the intention to obey Him. Or else, when you go in and you prosper, what will happen to your heart? It will become so grateful and so thankful. No, it says your heart will not be softened to thankfulness. Your heart will be hardened to pride and forgetfulness. Right? So I shouldn't be saying this, but Pastor Chris actually likes McDonald's. Please forgive me. And from my student days in Australia, I especially like the Big Mac, right? But once a year, I change from liking Big Mac to liking Prosperity Burger. Especially during Chinese New Year, it comes out. And the Prosperity Burger, for those who are tuning in, McDonald's has a localized version of this burger, and it's wonderful, and it's filled with black pepper sauce. If you haven't tasted, come and visit Singapore. Right. And so, Pastor Chris has given this illustration many times. Where now I'm going to use the prosperity burger, you know, with the burger. You have the bun at the top, the bun at the bottom, and the meat in the middle, right? And so, as we listen to Moses, his warning to them is not about the prosperity burger. It begins with prosperity. But prosperity will lead to sinfulness. I use a big word, depravity. You want to try pronouncing that word? Depravity. Can try or not? Depravity. So now you're not taking part. If you can pronounce prosperity, you can pronounce depravity. Right? So you move from prosperity burger to depravity burger. Right? And in the depravity burger, don't be sidetracked by the picture of the burger. Right? That will make you very hungry. On the top, prosperity. With prosperity, you start to quickly be careless and you forget to remember God on your Monday, on your Tuesday, on your Wednesday. You forget God in your school. You forget God in poly. You forget God in university. You forget God when you go to work. You forget God when you go on holidays. Then, uh, what gives rise to this is the pride of life. And so easy to test this, everybody, right? Pastor Chris has tested this over 30 years with this church, right? When do you pray more? I want to test you. Do you pray more 
before or after your exam? Before. After the exam, when you do very well, you say, I'm quite intelligent. Oh, my school is very good. It's ACS. Oh, it's RI, right? So, do you pray more before or after you get your playtime or free time? After, uh, before. After you forgot that your parents are very kind to you. Do you pray more before or after you go for your holidays? Right? Before. Afterwards, you forget you had a good holiday. In fact, you fight during your holiday. And so the pride of life comes in. And then if you forget God, God is the most important in person in the universe, in your life, you will replace God. If you reject God, you will surely replace God. And some of you replace God with gaming. Right? So gaming addiction is already making people, young and old, addicts and destroying their minds, destroying their hearts and destroying their relationships. And so please be very mindful. When we prosper, we partake of the depravity burger. We forget God. We replace God, and that comes because we are proud. We think we made this success by ourselves. So what kind of problems do you think Singapore will increasingly have? I do not know whether your parents have brought you to a third world country. That means a poorer country. So they say you go from third world where you are poorest, undeveloped, no water, no electricity, sometimes no schooling, no jobs for your parents. Then you improve then you become first world. Singapore has gone from the third world to the first world. But first world has new problems. And I just read this report from our Institute of Mental Health. Singapore is worried, or the Singapore authorities are worried, that more and more of the new drug addicts, the new generation of drug addicts, are not the lower class, are now the middle class and the upper middle class. Thailand has just legalized cannabis. And somebody who just went to Thailand said, Are you terrible? Everywhere I go, they just put cannabis into the, you know, Pad Thai, whatever we eat, there's cannabis in there. Right? And you wouldn't know, right? It's just to flavor it, it's just a herb. They found that four in drug users started before 18 years old here. And the two main places where our youth, middle class, upper middle class, start on this drug addiction is either in their very own home or in the friend's house. You ask Pastor Jeff, who runs the prison's ministry and the drug rehab ministry, 30, 40 years ago, in the previous generation, if they wanted to do drugs, they had to run out of their house to do it. Now it's totally different because it's just all pills. And so during your teenage years, you become a cat. C-A-T. You are curious to explore yourself, to find what we call your identity, to find your happiness by yourself. Then you think you now have the autonomy to disobey your parents, to disrespect your parents, to challenge your parents. Then you have what we call a tendency to test the boundaries. Your parents tell you, please come back from the party, at 11 o'clock, you come back at 1 a.m. So you're testing the boundaries. Your parents say that that friend that you are having, I don't think he's helpful to you. I just got a call last year from one of my relatives from overseas and I asked about his children, said they are doing well, except for the second one. He's gone from a really good boy to now really, you know, what I tell him, he doesn't listen very much anymore. He's only 11 years old. And I said, why? I think it's because, the father said, I think because he's hanging around with this boy who comes from a broken home. And from a broken home, he has four-letter words. He disobeys his parents. There are no parents to obey. The parents fight and divorce. And so, you are trying to find yourself and purpose without God, independently of God. And so this is called destructive. It's very destructive. And final warnings, beware. Can you read this together?
So what is the final warning? Everything is about your heart. What's happening in your heart? If you ever think in your heart, which is your headquarters, that it is me, my wisdom, my intelligence, my work, my networking has gotten me thus far, then you are in trouble. Verse 19 and 20, allow me to read. And if you forget the Lord your God and go after other gods, you replace him, remember the depravity burger, and serve them and worship them, I solemnly warn you today, you shall surely perish. Like the nations the Lord makes you, makes to perish before you, you shall perish because you would not obey the voice of the Lord your God. So obedience has its rewards. Disobedience to God has its repercussions. And so we have to be very careful to listen carefully, obey humbly, and if we listen carefully to God's Word, we obey humbly every area of our life, we will live fully. And who can do this? Only one person, the true Israelite, did this. And I forgot to put there, right? It took Jesus' life. It takes you a lifetime to obey God because you spend your whole life disobeying Him. It took Jesus' obedience. It took His life to fulfill this obedience. I call this the salvation obedience. So we look to Jesus to obey. Remember, I ask you to remember which verse in Deuteronomy 8? That man does not live by bread alone. And who quoted this? Who remembered this word? Who lived by this word? And who died by this word? Jesus. Want to read this together in Matthew chapter 4? Then... So if you look at Jesus' life, he was tempted three times or tested three times by the devil who knew God's word, but the devil knows God's word to twist God's word for the wrong purpose for you and me to disobey God. Jesus would return and reply, right, return the temptation and reply to Satan by going back to the book of Deuteronomy each time. And he goes and he returns and says, this is the real meaning of it. That I have to learn to trust God and obey Him regardless of the circumstances, freely and fully. And this is what it means to live fully as a man or woman. So we spend our life disobeying God. Jesus spent His life fully obeying God to the point of dying on the cross for us. And so we look to Jesus and trust in His complete obedience for us. And then if we believe in Jesus by the Holy Spirit, by the Holy Spirit, we will increasingly rejoice in obeying God in our life. So when God tells you not to be angry with your brother or sister, joyfully you will learn to obey. When God tells you not to be jealous or envious or unforgiving of your brother and sister, joyfully, delightfully, you will obey if you believe in Jesus as your Saviour and your Lord. When God tells you to respect and honour your parents, what your parents have for you are good intentions, though it sounds really old-fashioned or unreasonable, you obey immediately, you obey now, you obey because you want to please God. So, re reflections as we end our time. If you choose destructive obedience, you will be like Israel, where the fullness of life, the prosperity of life, led them to the forgetfulness of God. When they ate, they were satisfied. They forgot God. That is the path we want to avoid. Rather, we should pray to embark on constructive obedience 
where if you are blessed by God, it will lead you to praise God, to worship Him, to trust Him in your life. So I want to ask you, which road are you on at this very moment? The destructive obedience, where fullness makes you forgetful of God, ungrateful to life, or the fullness leads you to praise God and to trust God. So, reflecting day by day, week by week, have you become callous? If you become callous by not reading God's Word, if you become callous by not remembering God's Word, if you become callous by not obeying God's voice, then you become forgetful, and soon you'll be very ungrateful, and soon carelessness, forgetfulness, and ungratefulness becomes your lifestyle, becomes you. If God searches your heart now, will He find you careless or careful? Thankful or forgetful? Which one will He find? And so we want to encourage you that this holidays, as we now begin with this topical series for June, you take a break from school but you don't take a break from God. A holiday is not to take a break from God. In fact, you can, you can pause from your studies, you can pause from your work, you can pause from your stress, and for the whole month, you can start a new discipline, a new habit in your life as a single person, a new habit in your life as a married person, a new habit in your life as a family to do what? to remember. So, if not every day, I want to encourage you that once a week, maybe on a Sunday, when you have your family devotion, can you choose to remember God, what He has done for you in the past week? Always remember God, what He has done for you in the past by giving Jesus to love you, die for you, and save you. If you remember God by remembering Jesus and every blessing that you don't deserve but you do receive, then can I ask you to remember your loved ones? So if you listen to Pastor Jeff this morning, right? Pastor Jeff led us in prayer and in that prayer, he prayed for so many people in our church, in our family, who has lost loved ones. Ask any of the pastors here, any of the leaders, we conduct about 50 to 60 funerals a year, right? And oftentimes at the funeral, what we call the funeral wake before the funeral service at Mandai, people will come up and say nice things about the grandfather, the grandmother, the father, the mother. Sometimes young people die, right? And about the brother or the sister or the nephew who passed away. But you know what? When you say all those nice things, we call that a eulogy. Eulogy. You want to try pronouncing that? Eulogy. When we say the eulogy, the person who passed away, they can't hear it. They are gone. So can I encourage you that once a week, can you sit together as a family and remember how good your daddy and your mummy is? Just one good thing about your daddy one good thing about your mummy, one good thing about your brother, your sister, your koko, your cheche, or your titi. One good thing. Remember your loved ones. Don't just remember them once a year on Mother's Day, on Father's Day, of the birthday. Every week, you can remember and thank God that your father worked so hard and yet, He always has time to drive you from A to B. Your mother works so hard, she always has time to listen to you and to teach you no matter how many times she has to teach you the same lesson again. So remember the loved ones. Then if you remember the, we showed in the announcements, let's carnival. We started this in 2015. Some of you were not born yet. That year, Singapore celebrated 50 years. This year, Singapore is 58 years. And so this will be the fourth time we celebrate Let's Carnival. When we do it, remember the Singaporeans who have less than us,
or Singaporeans who don't have at all. So we now know that President Halima, this will be her last term, her last year. In the previous two Let's Carnival, that she came to be guest of honour, right? And in this coming one, she's coming as a guest of honour. And I just was invited to have a lunch with her with a few leaders. Her personal private secretary said, assistant said, we have never seen a president work so hard. She, in a year, averages about 300 community engagements. She really is out there to help, regardless of race or religion. And so, in the President's Challenge, there are about 90 charities. Many of us, young and old, who are middle class and upper middle class, forget that there are lesser and poorer Singaporeans in Singapore. And ever so often, we have to remind ourselves to do this, right? To do what? To remember the ones who are forgotten and unloved by society. But we don't just remember them once a year at Let's Carnival, once in two years at Let's Carnival. If you live in an HDB block or a condominium, when you see the foreign workers cleaning your estate, can you go up to them and thank them for coming to work here? If not, your HDB estate will smell like rubbish. These are all the ways we remember from your inner circle of remembering God, remembering your loved ones, to remember those who are unloved and forgotten. And one of the biggest ways to remember God, remember our loved ones and to remember the unloved ones, to make this part of your life. And may the whole month of June you practice this for four Sundays. By the time you come back, the last time where we'll preach this sermon, after the church camp, where we'll repeat this again and again, until the new habit of remembrance comes into your life. You know what Christians have found over 2,000 years? What Christians have found from the Old Testament to the New Testament? There are 150 psalms. The psalms are songs that Israel sing in remembrance of God, His Word, and His purpose. And so don't forget to go for the Gettys concert and don't forget to sign up for the two seminars where their whole purpose and prayer is to teach you to remember God in your hearts, in your families, and then in our churches. And then if we remember God, we will go out to be witnesses for God, changing God. So Pastor Chris's wife's name is Mona, Auntie Mona. She used to work for a work called Scripture Union, a Christian organisation called Christian Union. And once we went for an international conference and we met this person who was working in Scripture Union and he was now flying back after the conference. His father was very sick with cancer. And so he told the story, right, of this. When the father was very sick, they had to gather and now he was critically ill. They gathered around him, I think he had six children. The father was a poor farmer in Western Australia. They gathered around him, and each one of them, as they gathered around him, was to bring something that the father, dad, had made for them or given to them. And so they gathered there, and he says, the father was a poor farmer, and for the child who was musical, the father made a violin, not a top-notch one, but he crafted a violin for her when she was very young. For the one who loved fishing, he made a fishing rod. So all of them brought those things and stood by his bedside and said, Dad, we want to thank you that though you couldn't give us riches, you made us rich with all this. And the father, what do you think he said? He laid on the bed and he said, I always thought I was a bad father because I couldn't give you the things I really thought you needed. But now I thank God that you remember. When we remember God, remember our loved ones, remember the things that money cannot buy, but God alone can give. We will be powerful witnesses for God. Amen. I'm now going to close in prayer here at Adam because we're going to celebrate the communion and then over there at Bishan, you will close with the closing song. Allow me to pray together. Can we all stand and pray together?
Let's all be quiet. We can. We thank you, Heavenly Father, that you are so patient with us, so merciful, so gracious, so forgiving, always giving us, your people, another chance. We thank you for the book of Deuteronomy. We thank you that you gave Israel, your people, a second chance to listen to your word, to stop their disobedience and distrust, and to start on their life of loving you and trusting you and obeying you. We know that left to ourselves, we will never obey you freely, fully, and forever. We thank you for giving us Jesus, the true Israelite, the true man. And in Jesus we see that he obeyed you freely and fully. And now we can turn to Jesus and be blessed by his obedience. And yet, day by day, experience by experience, we can pray to have the obedience of Jesus in our lives by the power of your Holy Spirit. All this we ask so that we would remember you, remember your goodness to us, remember your goodness in giving us our loved ones, forgive us when we forget them and are ungrateful to you and to them, forgive us when we are forgetful and ungrateful to people in church whom you have used to bless us spiritually and in every way, Forgive us when we use our fullness to forget you instead of our fullness to worship you. And we pray that you will start this discipline, this habit of remembering in our hearts, in our families, in our church, so that we will go forth to be a powerful witness for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Please be seated.